0: everyone, Jeff here from BestTechie.com, and this is TechieBytes episode 74. Today I'm speaking with Jason Bade, co-founder and CEO at Pico, a company focused on helping digital media firms by providing a CRM-based platform for their audience. We discuss what the future of digital media and content creation looks like, how creators should be thinking about business models, and why you need to own your own audience. Enjoy. I'm here with Jason Bade, the uh, founder and CEO of a company called Pico. they actually uh, i've I've used their product and I've met Jason in real life in person prior to uh, covid and uh, he's a he's a great guy, great founder with a lot of really interesting ideas about how the publishing industry, specifically digital media and other and other uh, parts of the media industry can better build businesses through members and subscriptions and things like that and he's developed a product with Pico that makes it really easy to kind of build your own member solution. So I'm excited to have him on to talk a lot about uh, the media space and where it's going and all that stuff. So Jason, welcome, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for being here.
1: Uh, Thanks Jeff. It's, it's great to be here.
0: So I always like to start this way and basically, you know, tell us a little bit about who you are, what you're working on, how you got to be where you're at right now.
1: Sure. So, um, you know, I came into this with my co-founder, Nick. We met in fourth grade. So if you want to go <laughs> way back.
0: <laughs> we'll go all a, the way back to the beginning.
1: Exactly. It was a founder dating sort of meetup, elementary school uh, style. Uh, that's yeah, I know. So we grew up in the same town. <laughs> we uh, happened to just go through school together. And we were always talking about eventually working together one day on something. Um, that thing happened to be Pico. Our... Our drive to do Pico was as news consumers, really, uh, both concerned deeply about the state of, of sort of the information ecosystem yeah. and particularly local journalism. That was really what got us interested in um, in building this company. Uh, no, uh, No more relevant than the events of the last week and, and in terms of the information ecosystem and the importance of high-quality journalism and business models for high-quality journalism. That's honestly how we got started. We're extremely interested in that. Uh, We have design backgrounds. Nick's an actual product designer. I'm what you would call a design thinker, (laughs) which is to say I don't actually have um, (laughs) particularly useful talents except except good taste in what design could be. And hey, that's what, half uh, the
0: battle right there, <laughs> right?
1: I, you know, I think so. I, I'm, I'm really good at, at feedback is what I've been told, which is I think the thing you tell someone who gives a lot of feedback and <laughs> you just sort of want to, <laughs> like you're you're really great at, at feedback. So, you know, Nick and I had a, had a sense that um, the business models for media were changing and therefore the tech stack that would um, uh, that would allow uh, these new business models to take place would have to evolve. Um, and and there's a big infrastructure play that involved a lot of um, user experience. Um, but not just we're not just talking like checkout flows and login flows, which is something that we've spent a lot of time optimizing and a lot of time making friendlier. And I know people complain, I feel like every two weeks someone bashes Wall Street Journal or something like that on Twitter about their logins and whatnot that's like that's like sort of the surface level of UX um, and design here. I think ultimately we were more interested in like well what what is like the fundamental changes in these businesses? Um, and that's where we started out um, thinking, what would a Shopify for this new type of commerce look like online? Gotcha. Um, what kind of infrastructure could we build that would make it very easy to be an entrepreneur uh, essentially selling high quality Information or expertise, um, or you know, if you're an artist, your creative works. Um, what does this sort of this relationship, this commerce relationship, look like? And how could we support that with both a commerce platform, but then also the stack that all of these ecom companies have, marketing and lead capture and whatnot? Uh, how could we make that really available so that so that folks could build the next great generation of companies uh, providing these services?
0: So I mean. I've read a lot. I'm sure you have too. About um, and there's a, you know a lot of people thinking about how content's really the next frontier, even though it's kind of been the frontier, but it's the next frontier in commerce. I feel like mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. that a lot of people are talking about. And I'm curious what your thoughts are in terms of how digital the digital media publishing industry looks today versus how it could look five years out from now. What are we, what are we looking at?
1: I think there's two parts. To that question, Um, one is sort of the how does like the industry of journalism and media, the folks who work in media today, like what kinds of companies are they going to work at tomorrow? That's part one. Part two is um, what other types of companies, what other part of the economy is going to look a lot like media? Um, and use the same tools and use some of the same marketing practices and business um, business models effectively. So to you know the first part of that question, um, look, I think, I think Substack is it's impossible to avoid that elephant in the room. Substack has demonstrated that um, some of I think the tropes of yesteryear by yesteryear, I literally mean like a year ago, oh subscription fatigue, all this. Uh, it's not it's, it's, we're not there yet. I think um, folks have realized that actually media subscriptions are not very expensive and if they're getting even a little bit of value from something, the ease of payment um, and being able to keep track of those payments has made it kind of as trivial as buying just normal things online, Um, buying a game, buying a, you know, I, I just uh, subscribed to a second uh, sleep app on my phone. It's like, Oh yeah, I guess I want to track this thing too. And it's like, Oh, it's, you know, 20 bucks a year. Okay, whatever. It's kind of, it's just the, fric- the friction
0: is, is very low. Um, and
1: not just that, I think the yeah. mental, the mental sort of weight of, well, gee, like, um, how many subscriptions can I have right now? I, I don't think people think that way anymore. Whereas uh, the way my parents used to purchase media, it was like, well, we, we choose time or Newsweek, but we don't do both. Like we're not, we're not <laughs> right. both types. Like, like that product was that, the way those products were developed was very much uh, kind of assuming that this was a complete bundle. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's no longer the case. There's this is sort of unbundling, and we're seeing this rebundling um, along niches and other things. Um, and look, that's going to happen. Um, I think at the same time, l- legacy media, um, we work with as many new startups as we do um, call them old startups, <laughs> just to say legacy companies. Um, Some of them, their their cost structures are going to eat them alive um, because they, you know, instead of their talent being 70, 80% of their costs, it's like 30, 40%. And they have not sufficiently updated their cost structure to keep up with these upstarts that are digital only that are using infrastructure like Pico, which really abstracts away so much cost that otherwise... Is absorbed in these sort of old structures right um, but look we have legacy folks migrating to Pico you've you probably never heard of them um, but they I mean I had I had not heard of many of them before you know they came to us and they're modernizing their stack and they're cutting certain costs and they already have an audience because they've been around for decades and um, <laughs> there's actually quite a bit of, of market there that can I think easily survive into the next the next uh, whatever, the next few years, the next decades, the next future, as long as they update their business models around membership as opposed to sort of fulfillment and and these other things. Um, Now, the second part of your question, or I should say, the second part of my answer to your question, um, I think, and Substack is a really great validation of this. Uh, We've been seeing this on our own platform. Uh, More and more people are gonna start acting like media companies. Um, I think the entire knowledge economy actually, which, you know, we've not really seen what happens when the knowledge economy in a commerce sense truly moves online. We've seen that with, with retail and e-commerce. Um, I should say retail moving into e-commerce. And it's like, wow, the internet uh, is responsible for so much, uh, you know, and, and to use the Colson's term, uh, internet GDP. Well, most of that is is e-commerce, Right. Uh, what happens when the knowledge economy, which is actually much, much larger in terms of the total share of GDP, we're talking consulting and expert services, and other, what happens when those folks um, or folks working in those industries begin to unbundle themselves from wherever they're working um, and similarly dive into niches and essentially their storefront now is an audience. Right. So um, they've, they're templating themselves as a media company, we see substacks, very successful substacks, being developed by people who are not, who never worked in media before. Um, and they are selling multiple products. One might be a paid newsletter, but often it's consulting, or maybe they've started an investment fund, um, or maybe they're doing other sorts of services. And they have to, you know, the only way to essentially uh, market themselves is to, and, and build up credibility is to, essentially act as a media company that's the new the new form of marketing um it's a new storefront and yeah. that to that transformation is very interesting to me we're starting to see that happen where we have some of the world's experts in very s- s- specific niches um uh come online and that's that's they're monetizing themselves at scale basically um and that's that's very interesting to me and we're gonna build for that future um and building for media so far has has informed us a lot about what kind of infrastructure these companies need when when you're a media company that is doing commerce directly with your audience?
0: Yeah, absolutely. In fact, this is something I kind of wrote about. I feel like I don't remember 2017, maybe maybe 2018, um, and I, I, the whole premise of the future I was thinking at the time was we're going to see a lot more independent um, media companies or or people that are act that are knowledge workers that have knowledge to share, turning that into media, or, or content, I'm sorry, um, and building businesses around that, because there's so many things you can do with that, and and we do, and, and it would be smart for existing media companies to really invest in people like that, who can build, who are building audiences, and like, uh, it's almost as in this, you know, uh, David Pogue, when he was the personal tech columnist at the New York Times, uh, way back when, like someone like him working at the New York times, building something like that could be uh, you know, if, if he was still there doing what he was doing and he turned it into, um, you know, a brand kind of under the New York times, that would be beneficial for them. And I just don't, I don't think enough of the stand, uh, the traditional media companies are investing in people like that. They are, some of them are the New York times is, uh, they have Taylor yeah. Lorenz who, who has a huge audience um, and also, who reports on internet culture and things like that, for example. And then they also have, um, you know, David Carr and, uh, Oh, I'm sorry. They had David Carr, Um, yeah. but, um, but yeah, there's a lot of people that, that they've, that they've kind of champ, uh, helped grow, uh, uh, you know, kind of like in baseball, the minor leagues, right? <laughs> like a farm system of sorts. Um, well, I mean,
1: this is something that actually um if you know jared dicker over at uh, washington post mm-hmm. uh, he runs their you know their commercial platform there um and arc and all that uh he, he and i um have talked a lot about this which is um i think there's this strange um what's the word i want <laughs> um, to use i don't want to use there's a word in my head it's like no that's not the word but like obsession is not quite it but um interest or whatever on like the individual creator leaving their publication and going to Substack and making a ton of money and um okay that's great and i think i think that it's interesting to validate that and that like the ability for someone to go to Substack really quickly and validate the fact that, that yeah this is how much i'm worth because i'm a superstar but then like guess what um it's a team sport most most things are team sports um, and what we've seen, you know, we have Defector on Pico, which is the former Deadspin crew. And like the, the beauty of that model is they can also unbundle from the corporate True. kind of uh, inter- vertically integrated uh, uh, stack that they are a part of. The talent bundle, uh, you know, unbundled from it, started their own thing and said, we don't need all the infrastructure that this company gave us. Right, We have infrastructure now with Pico and Stripe. And and yes, they are buying audience development services from an agency and they're buying, you know, they're on the lead platform, which is um, basically a, a software offering, a managed service software offering from uh, a WordPress shop, uh, Alley Interactive in New York. Um, and so, uh, like, they're still buying these things. It's not like they're doing it all themselves. Um, and they're still buying, you know, they still have an accountant and they still have a lawyer and they still have like these things that they're doing. But the cool thing about it is it's a team. And I think like that that fractal unit is more interesting ultimately because you do have the superstars there that bring a ton of audience in, but they're contributing to the brand equity of Defector, right? And then Defector kind of creates this halo that builds up the personal brand equity of each of the, the talent there, including new folks who are just starting out. And if they're really good and they can contribute to that, that defector brand in a way that the audience appreciates, then everyone's tides lifted without it just being sort of this solo pursuit of the, of the superstar. Um, so that I think is actually the more interesting trend is, yeah, absolutely. Um, okay, great. Like the superstar can prove that they, you know, that they deserve maybe more pay or whatever it is. Rightfully so. But like, this is not terribly different from Hollywood. Like you still need a lot of, you still supporting need a supporting cast. cast.
0: Yeah. Exactly, Or and any and, team sport like you know LeBron can't do it alone, so yeah, you know, well, he, 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 he does a lot of it.
1: He does a lot of it alone. Um, the the Warriors might be a better uh, yeah. my whole team might be a better, but I mean, t- just to to not get too caught up though, I I do think that there is something special though. Like this is still media, mm-hmm. like media media, and I think and like call it the next evolution of media, but but I do think there's something interesting about what happens when companies that are not media companies,
0: right? That's where I'm really focused on
1: talent are start to think in terms of, of talent, start to think in terms of, of audience, um, and start to think in terms of, of, of monetizing themselves in the way that a subscription based uh, media company that has an audience funnel that's pulling people in and then eventually converting them. Um, you know what, what does it look like when that's the predominant business model or marketing model of consulting, of of lawyering, perhaps of of other fields where you have to carve out your niche, carve out your expertise in that niche, and then uh, basically build your build your funnel as a media company would. That's going to be a very interesting future, and it's one that we are obviously quite bullish on and in investing in. So
0: absolutely, I'm really excited to see that as well. I think that that future of turning content into commerce and and utilizing content in a way, you know, to sell subscriptions or, uh, even products, you know, uh, it's the, the world, the world is so big in the sense that like the possibilities are almost limitless when you get to that point, any company could do this. Right. I mean, theoretically, right.
1: I not any company of course, but I I do think that the idea of, um, Uh, geography is no longer especially in the age of zoom geography is is such a non-constraint now that um that used to be like the niche that that carved out a significant um like carved up markets Mm -hmm. and now we're reorienting around different types of niches which is more or less expertise um and i I think you know in the case of like media media it's and i say media media i mean like um stuff that you're consuming content really the main business model is the consumption of content. Um, communities are driving that niche interests are driving that. Um, it's very B to C, but, but when I think about like, well, what, what is, what does the world look like for a small law firm that is specializing in some very specific use case or some very specific type of company or situation? Um, how are they going to build up their credibility? It, it's probably going to be with content. Mm-hmm. Um, it's probably going to be a mixture of, of law and consulting. And um, they're going to probably have a newsletter and they're probably going to have a good web presence. And um, I, we're seeing this today with consultants who are using Pico to essentially scale their expertise so that they're not, they're eight, you know, it's not an eight hour day where each hour is spent um, on an hourly uh, charge basis, but maybe half their day is spent on content. Mm-hmm. Some like you know half of that content is free, the other half is paid content, and then the rest of the day is maybe uh, the handful of, of clients they do want to take who will pay them twice as much per hour. Um, that's a very interesting future to me
0: definitely. let's talk about so we're we ha- we're in a spot now where we're looking at you know different types of paywalls, th- content for commerce, uh, subscriptions, things like that. but what would you like what like what are your thoughts on terms of the most important types of data? That a person company should be should should care about and should be collecting, um, you know, in this new future. What what what's you know what are what's most important here?
1: It's a hard question to answer. I think that data can be fetishized a bit, um, insofar as it's it's not ultimately that useful oftentimes. So. I mean, you, you look at how some of my favorite applications of called big data or machine learning are things like um, click patterns and mouse patterns that Stripe uses to detect fraud. That to me is like really obviously very interesting, very large data set, very large sample size, makes total sense. Um, our business, Picos, is in building infrastructure for um, small and medium sized businesses and medium i kind of mean like to mid-market sized businesses that are uh serving an audience that are they're selling virtual sort of commerce non inventoried commerce like in the style of shop um they're not so massive that collecting a ton of data is actually going to be extremely useful on the back end because they're they're dealing in a niche so we do help folks collect some data. Um, it's important to be able to segment your audiences based on kind of, well, is this person in the top of the funnel or no, they've been they've been hanging out for a while, they've been logged in a bunch or they've been reading more about this than that. So we, we help folks collect that data and that's that's useful, obviously. And it's, it's useful to understand conversion rates so that you understand where to go get your, you know, what ads might be working, et cetera. Ultimately, the thing that I... Uh, help folks figure out when we talk about launching a business or whatever is figuring out the product m- not just the product market fit they have with their audience but then trying to understand um, the segments of their audience and each of you know the respective product market fits that each segment has um, so just to give you an example uh, there's a, a, a co- actually a consultant <laughs> you know, speaking of consultants that Came out of, I won't say what, because it would probably be easy to figure out, since it's a niche, there's no one else covering. <laughs> uh, came out of a specific industry. Um, he was an executive there. I think he's a lawyer by training um, and was just like writing really amazing analysis of this industry. He realized that he had two audiences that were reading the same stuff, the CEOs, and then they were like the investors. And par- our conversation was very much along the lines of, well, wait a minute, step back. Um, what what are they both like, what are the jobs to be done for each of these segments, right? And now you start to get into like, it's much more qualitative data, but it's, okay, well, the CEOs, they uh, just need to make sure that they're not missing anything, and that it's like very fast, like download, but then they don't have to spend any time reading the news that day, because they've caught, they're fully caught up. And so for them, like the daily morning brief is like the most important aspect. And their willingness to pay is probably like, Maybe as high as 100, 200 dollars a month. Who knows? Um, then you have these investors. They actually don't really care about day to day. They want the deep dive, 10,000 word monthly report, um, and their willingness to pay is is almost infinite. Uh, you could charge them maybe a couple thousand dollars, and they might want bundled with that a quarterly phone call or you know some, something kind of interesting like, hey, we'll. We're going to pay you so much that we want to j- jump on the phone to discuss each of your reports for an hour. Um, currently this this person sells one product to both these audiences, um, which doesn't actually make much sense, right? Uh, and then we are kind of exploring the fact that there's this third audience, this third segment that he's sort of discovered in his in his audience of like, you know young professionals who are not the executives they don't need to be caught up on the very latest every morning they're not investors but they're sort of like they want to know what's going on they want to they want to feel smart about their industry they want to maybe meet other like-minded folks in the industry so there's like there's sort of a networking product or job to be done so now we have three distinct segments and the the what what a good media entrepreneur or you could say marketer or anyone who's building a business templated like this would do is step back and say, okay, well, what's the product I'm serving this customer? How much can I charge for that? And you know, good pricing, you work backwards from value. So it's like, how can I engineer value into what these people are willing to pay me? Um, and then what, what channels are they going to find me on? These folks might not be on Twitter. Maybe they'll find me because I did an interview. They got excerpted in Wall Street Journal or Axios or something. These folks totally on Twitter or whatever. These folks, uh, maybe it's all word of mouth. So, like, you have to you have to think about your business holistically in terms of segments, in terms of channels, and then in terms of well, what is the funnel going to look like for each of these segments to get them from in the door as a lead all the way down to converted into a customer, um, and maybe even upsold ultimately. So, I know that wasn't quite your question around data, but you can see like those to me are su- such, those are primitive questions that have to be answered. Yeah. To- for the most part, are not being answered by entrepreneurs who are working you know, media entrepreneurs creators that are launching uh, in this space. and data, it's a different type of data that you need to answer all those questions first before you start really diving into anything that i would I would call quantifiable data.
0: Uh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, in order in order so, he- So this person you're talking about, you know, they have a business that where they're selling a single product, like you said, but they have, but basically they have the opportunity to be splitting this product up into at least three distinct products, potentially. Um, I would
1: say that their their product ultimately is their expertise, right? And, and you can maybe call it the community that is formed around that expertise. Um, But yeah, uh, they, they need to segment just like, look, we're a software company. We're going through. We go through this continuously. Like, what are our segments? How do we how do we make pricing per segment? This is this is nothing new. Right. Uh, it's just the idea of applying this thinking now to um, these sorts of companies. That it, it's critical um, and it does require a certain discipline of thinking about uh, segmentation, of thinking about channels. Thinking, you know, Brian Balfour uh, has this great post on uh, product. I'm going to mess this up. It is product market right. fit. Uh, market channel fit or channel market fit or something like that, um, and, and so on so. Like basically, you're not product market fit by itself is not is not actually gonna win you a successful business. Mm. Um, it's, a, it's a very important first step. Don't get me wrong, but um, and 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 to me, data collection should really serve figuring that puzzle out before you start doing sort of the marketing optimization, which is. Uh, usually, what people come to us for when they start thinking about data, it's like, well, no, I want to reduce churn. I want, yeah, you need to know all these things. But first, we need to just figure out like, <laughs> who are you serving? Right. Have you actually thought about thought about um, these these people in terms of what they're trying to buy from you as a quote unquote media company? Because there's so many products that can be delivered, product services, experiences, etc., that can be delivered through a media company. Um, and for those of you who are not watching the, <laughs> the video, air quotes. I'm air quoting, <laughs> but, you know, a, a media company, um, besides just the consumption of content, right? New York Times is in the consumption of content business. That's yes. basically the only product they sell. Um, that to me is like very media 1.0. Um, yeah. What's much more interesting is like, well, what happens if I'm if I'm not selling consumption and attention. Um, I'm actually just selling, uh, you know, uh, a service, um, or something else, expertise. Um, and so what if it's something that can be consumed in 30 seconds a month, but it's worth, it's worth 500 bucks, right? That, that's more interesting to me.
0: That, that sounds fascinating. And I, and so I want to talk about this a little bit more because I, I, I find it so interesting and, and I love hearing how different people are kind of thinking about utilizing content, creating content in a way that can sell a product, a service, expertise, anything you can, I mean, that's what, that's the beauty of content is that you can, if you're creative enough, you can come up with really unique ways of selling whatever it is you want to sell. And with the internet and now with, with products like Pico and Stripe and easy ways to set up payment um, for people to just send you money with like a click (laughs) You know, the barrier is very low if you can get it in front of the right audience, which is what we're talking about. Right. So we it's all you know, it's all about developing the audience and understand kind of knowing what audience you should be targeting, I guess. So I want to talk to you about what kind of um, campaigns or or marketing initiatives or just content initiatives are you guys working on at Pico um, to drive the awareness of the product, but also maybe even other 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 are you thinking about you know other kind of um things to sell you know in addition to whatever uh in addition to your product your 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 sas product
1: we're so bad at marketing um <laughs> i w- it, you know um it's it's definitely a spot that we can stand to improve I, an investor recently said to me um very politely, that we have we have a lot of headroom. Uh, and, <laughs> in the, uh, in the, he's like, well, there's there's room to grow. I mean, yes, yeah. indeed. There's uh, which is a good thing, right? Like, it's always it, nice uh, to
0: have room I, to grow.
1: Absolutely, I would I would so much rather have headroom than than no headroom. No room. So <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, Nick and I, by consequence of our backgrounds, are very product oriented people, and for the first. Couple of years of the company, it was very easy for us to go like hide in a product cave, and and um, we got to know our initial customers really really well, and we built up pretty amazing relationships. Uh, I think like eighty five percent, ninety percent of our first cohort is still with us a couple of years later, um, and that informed everything about the product and the platform we built. And the result is that we have, um, if I may say, I, we have a, a really robust, mature platform for businesses to go from, you know, we like to say, you know, when you just start to um, make money, like real money, like 30, 40, $50,000 a year, all the way through, you know, 10 million a year, like that's, that's our sweet spot of customer. And uh, there's a lot of like details to serving that customer. Well, and we've, we've done that well. Um, I like to think. And we continue to build uh, along the lines of well, what product do these companies really need? And this is the design thinking stuff that the background Nick and I have. On the market, and and like that's gotten us as far as we've gotten. It got us to product market fit. It's gotten us really high MPS. It's gotten us our initial um, sort of cohort of customers. What it's also done is it's brought partners into our ecosystem that want to work with us and then have gone and created independent sales channels outside of us that has made it it's really driven most of our growth in the last year. This last year was um, like with, I think any um, uh, online commerce uh, companies this last year has been very good for us uh, in terms of growth. We've seen, you know, almost five uh, X growth on the platform in terms of payment processing. Congrats.
0: That's awesome. Um, thank you.
1: Well, I mean, it's, it, it's just, it, there's a secular trend, of course. Yeah. Um, um, so much commerce was moved online and new business creation and went up. Um, so you, you almost have you know,
0: COVID to thank for that, probably.
1: <laughs> perhaps, yeah. No, I it, almost certainly. Um, we saw we saw demand up across the board in terms of new customer starts, but then also um, existing uh, expansion of of customers who are already. I should say ex- new expansion of customers who are already existing on our platform. Um, all this is to say, marketing is something that we're investing a lot in this year to try to do much better at. Um, because our strategy to date has been a lot of word of mouth um, and a lot of, of working with really great partners who can um, sell Pico effectively into you know their their customer base. So folks that work really well, I, I said at the beginning of the call that um, you know local news has been a very has been a has been a great segment for us that we care deeply about. Well, um, I've spent a lot of time getting to know a lot of folks in news, but I know. S- I do not know half, even half of, 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 of the businesses and the companies in the space. And so we have partners that, um, that do, that, that know the space well, that really want to work with Pico and make money selling Pico or managing Pico or setting people up on Pico. And they've gone and they've done that. And they're building out those pipelines. And that's really great for us. So that's that's been our growth strategy to date. Um, another thing that is maybe more uh, interesting to your audience is the way we've built growth into the product itself. Um, you know, I think the term for this is, is growth loops, um, and so we've we've tried to do this in a way that still keeps Pico as an infrastructure company, like in the back or in the background. We have very little interest in in sharing sort of the brand real estate with our customers. Uh, I think that's that's inappropriate, and it's one major point of differentiation between us and. Uh, a lot of other creator economy tools that folks could use, um, but there there are aspects of of Pico that are pretty identifiable in terms of the fact that like our Magic Link service, which makes it really easy for folks to log in, um, you know, we we have a note in the email like, "What is this?" Like FAQ about Magic Links. How do I set a password? Well, that tends to pique the curiosity of other folks who like, "I want Magic Links on my from my login system on my site." <laughs> that brings in customers. So we've we've made it we've made it not hard for folks who are delighted by the Pico experience on another site to find us and then become customers. And so every every new customer we have does indeed expose us to folks who are like, wow, that was such a nice checkout experience yeah. on a website. Yeah. Um, and and that's been a pretty key driver of our of our growth as
0: well. Nice. That, that that's actually a really good idea. And we always talk about Ways to generate more exposure and to kind of really, you know, think outside the box, but also do the little things like like that magic link thing with, you know, and having a link to Pico at maybe at the bottom of the email that someone can see. um, Those are little growth, you know, hacks or loops, um, as you talk about, that are just so critically important to especially when you're just getting going, when you don't have that brand recognition, that name recognition And, and then when you, and when you surprise someone with how seamless it is to sign into Pico, well, you know, chances are the people, you know, there are many sites out there, but I mean, audiences overlap and people read, and, and content creators always are checking out other content creators. Um, Mm -hmm. And so when you see, don't be, I mean, it's not surprising that when they saw, you know, something that seamless and awesome uh, that they're like, I want that too, for my site or for whatever Whatever that they're building, and that's really cool. So I, I props that that's a that's a that's a very great way to kind of generate that interest, and and at the same time, it's almost like it's it's still word of mouth because the people who implemented it are in a way recommending it to uh, to the other people. So that's great. Um, I want to talk a little bit about newsletters, which we highlighted just before. Uh, newsletters are interesting to me. Um, i think that there's a lot of potential there there's uh, the whole paid you know versus non-paid newsletters or which way you go about it or you have both uh, i don't really want to focus too much on that but what i'm mostly focused on is what you think newsletters um, should do to continue to differentiate and also do you think if newsletters should um, move outside of the inbox like do you, do you have newsletter fatigue in your inbox because sometimes i feel that way and I'm just curious, like if there's, you know, it's almost like going back to RSS readers, um, <laughs> but like just having a separate kind of app or something for just all your newsletters. I'm curious your thoughts.
1: I don't, I don't have uh, any deep thoughts on that. I'm a big <laughs> fan of pocket. Um, so I would uh, just as soon have my favorite newsletters. So I have a, I have a inbox, you know, split inbox and um it, almost everything gets filtered out of it. But what I've done is, you know, some of the newsletters that I really like, I ha- I make sure they get into my news tab and then, and then I, I always get that. Do you a use so superhuman? I do. Yeah. Yeah. yeah same. And so that's what I have. Um, and it,
0: it, it is helpful for sure.
1: It is. It took, it took a little bit of time um, digging out the newsletters <laughs> and the emails that were, that were like instantly put into that other tab yep. and in training it to put, but look, I'm, I'm of the mind that um, quality over quantity, actually. And I know that, uh, strangely enough, this is me putting my reader hat on. Um, I'm willing to pay. I I pay for um, a a much higher than average number of newsletters and and news subscriptions and um, uh, print magazines even. I get um, multiple print magazines every week. And so I, I just have a lot of news coming in. And I'm just overwhelmed in general (laughs) because I'm just an (laughs) overwhelmed person. So I don't have much comments on that. I I do think that it's, it's critical though. You know, what's best for readers is that you're delivering, uh, you're delivering value to them. And ultimately that comes down to, um, what is the content and is it doing the job that that reader is paying for? Um, and so, uh, or, or possibly would pay for right? Uh, there's a lot of free content. So if, if, uh you know there's some newsletters that i will never miss daily because i need to read them every day um i think um brian stelter's reliable mm-hmm. sources newsletter for example
0: this is very good
1: i i read the entire thing top to bottom every night um, and uh, i i can't not do that like it's it's indispensable it's, it's baked into Don't your tell routine him it's, but, <laughs> huh? it's baked into
0: your routine it's it's a daily it's like a daily yes. habit
1: yes but like to me and i, I uh, don't tell him, but like, I would pay him a lot of money for that newsletter, but like, uh, to me, it's doing, um, a bunch of jobs that I already, I need to do anyway, but it's, it's, it's providing me that value versus like, oh, well, this other newsletter is like interesting reads that would compete with my magazine reading or my book reading even, um, versus, you know, and so I, I think it's unfair. And this is what I was getting at earlier. Newsletter is, is like saying, um, same way, of like, a, what's the future of newsletters? Is sort of like saying, what's the future of web pages? Yeah. Like, there's, there's so many, right? It, it, okay, it's just another part of my real estate, of my, my internet real estate, um, or the way information is organized, um, in my digital life, um, and it's like saying, oh, you know, these Instagrams, there's just too many of them these days. Like,
0: well, uh, <laughs> you know, like, it's just like that. No, you're right. You're absolutely right. I mean. I remember I was sending newsletters back in like 2003 2000, 2006. Yeah. so it's not like they haven't been here before. they just have it's kind of like podcasts in the same way that podcasting was around in 2008 you know 2009 yep. and, and then it kind of kind of flatlined for a bit and then it just or even went down in popularity I would say and now they're obviously been since like 2015, 2016 back up on the on the upward tick um yeah. I, I think i think the
1: point here is that like um the important thing about any media biz- or any business is that you're 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 providing something that's valuable mm-hmm. to and and this is by the way the shift that i'm quite happy about which is like the media model the digital media at least was all about attention and let's face it even print legacy media before that was an attention model the the paid circulation really had very little to do with the ultimate business model of the business, and so, um, like, now that this is for the first time, maybe ever, that we're truly in a, I'd say, a, a, a direct-to-audience commerce relationship, where actually, no, when people pay, they're expecting some job to be done, and I guess uh, that's ultimately what I get back to. Is like, I, I ignore emails all the time, but the ones that I want to read, I read mm-hmm. because. Uh, they're valuable to me, and so yeah. I think newsletter, webpage, like is it audio, print, uh, whatever the format of of the media or whatever I should say the medium of the media is. I think it's it's less relevant than um, is the it, what is the value being conferred and Is it being packaged in a way that optimizes and maximizes that that value for that audience? It goes back to that audience segment, product market fit. Uh, a point that we were having that I was making earlier. The one thing I'll say just very quickly about the reader versus newsletter thing. I'm a very strong believer that you should own your own audience. And I've, I've tweeted about this. I think that, um, uh, there's, there's several aspects of what that means. I think that means that your, you, your audience, you own the email list, um, which you do with Pico. Um, it means that, uh, they log in to your site, right? It's not like they're on Kickstarter or Patreon or whatnot. Um, I think also it's it's you own the payment tokens. It's your Stripe account or whatever. And also it's your website. I think it's extremely important that when your brand equity, when you're publishing anything, that it's, it's investing in your domain um, and that that brand equity associated with your domain is also like the content reinvest um i feel pretty strongly about that as soon as you seed the newsletter to a reader of some sort and let's say it's a proprietary reader of some sort well now that's that's not you're you're kind of on the path to um to a platform that you don't own anymore um, And and that's the nice thing about email is that it is democratizing um for creators and so when i think about like what should the creator stack be yes go Be on TikTok. Go be on YouTube. Go be um, on on Twitter and Instagram and everywhere else. um, Facebook even. Those are places you can go fishing for audience. Um, It's the top of your funnel. You should not. Your business should not live there though. You need to use those platforms where you're basically being lent others the platform's customers. Pull them onto your own property, which might be newsletter, it might be a website, etc., and then monetize that way. Versus Um, I'm going to make, I'm going to put my whole business onto another's platform. I think that's extremely dangerous for creators.
0: Preach. I have, I I agree hundred wholeheartedly because I, I, you know, you know, me, I've been saying the same exact thing.
1: I, (laughs) unless you're Joe Rogan and you can sell your audience wherever you go. Yeah. yeah. Um, (laughs) but, but for
0: the most part, I mean, if you want to, if you wanted to build a longstanding media business, that's going to stay around or, or any kind of business, you know, you really need to own your audience. I mean, that's what it's all about. Your your audience, your customer base is, is everything, and um, it's always well, this better. Is, I mean, this is the premise yeah. of uh,
1: how we designed, how we even like thought of the architecture of Pico, which is what is it? What happens when the sort of the, the center of the business shifts from the CMS to the CRM? Mm-hmm. Um, which is to say, like, oh well, I'm going to be plugging things into my CRM as opposed to plugging things into my CMS, because what is the constant, of, like what is the core of my business? What's the relationships I have with my audience and my customers? Um, so Pico is a CRM with Stripe natively built in, right? And so the idea that like, that's the constant, it's my payment relationships and my just my relationships. And then my whole business can change. I can, I can dump this CMS and move to that one. I can dump this ESP, and move to another one. I can group podcast. I can I can change I can change all of these things, but the one thing that will always be there and not change is that that audience, that customer relationship that is it's a constant. And that that to us, that's the foundation of the business. And therefore it needs to be treated that way in the software architecture. It can't be sort of this add-on where like I'm gonna slap a checkout onto my um, you know, my events checkout or my newsletter checkout or my uh, crowdfunding checkout where it's like, wait a minute, what? Like (laughs) you're, you're giving, you're giving the primacy of your business to some other point solution as opposed to saying, no, wait a minute, everything needs to, the hub and spoke needs to be uh, oriented this way.
0: Yeah. I, yeah, I, I can't, I can't argue with anything you just said because it's just spot on. And that's, and I think we lost some of that. I mean, you see that when you see content companies, media companies that face trouble with Facebook, when when they re when they redo their algorithm uh, on the news feed, you know, many years back, when Google changes things in their search results, uh, they change their algorithms. You can, you should never ever be reliant on another business to do your business. <laughs> to you to do your business is really what it comes down to. Uh, so great points. I really love it. I want to uh, talk a little bit about some competition on, on your end with Pico. Hmm. Uh, cause one of the companies that I, I'm kind of interested in also is ghost and they're an open source platform. Um, uh, they have, you know, a whole managed hosting solution, which they, which you can, uh, pay them and they'll host their platform. And then you also get access to, uh, what they have their own built-in member solution. Uh, also tied in with Stripe with your own Stripe, yep. uh, API key and things like that. So that's really positive. Uh, how are you kind of thinking in terms of you know cuz you're in a, in this space and this space is going to heat up I'm sure I'm sure you probably are aware of other companies that are you know stealthily working on whatever they're working on or even you know like ghost for example uh, there's a, there's going to be a lot more competition in the space how are you planning to uh, to to handle that
1: honestly and I, I I do genuinely mean this we just don't think a huge amount about competition I think we've taken um, an approach that is really, really basically what I just laid out mm-hmm. in terms of, um, we are extremely focused on folks that have validated that their audience will pay them for something. Um, we don't care what kind of business it is. It could be a consulting business, it could be coaching, it could be yoga. We have a yoga studio, we have a music, we have music teachers, we have local journalists, um, whatever it is. Uh, but you're past the point of validation right? You've maybe tested the waters with a Kickstarter or a Patreon or a Substack or a, um, you know, a Teachable or whatever, like a, a platform where it's like very molded and templated. And now you're like, you know, I want to really invest in um, growth. Now I want to invest in the stack that I'm going to, it's going to carry me from, you know, tens of thousands a year, maybe all the way up through millions potentially, or at least it's not going to get in my way. Um, so that that's where we focus on, which is to say, yeah, okay, I'm gonna take a little bit of time to set up my stack to think about, well, what email service provider do I really wanna use? Because I don't wanna be limited there. I don't wanna be limited in the type of marketing workflows or the type of um, you know customization of the of my newsletters and my emails, et cetera. What CMS do I wanna use? Because I'm really trying to do this or that or this. What events platform? And that's where we come in because we just sit in the middle and, and manage that core part of your business, which is the relationships. That's what we're executing on, um, and we're doing that really, really well. Um, at least that's our goal. I won't. I'll <laughs> let I'll let you and others be the judge. But um, we are extremely focused on the customer relationship part: identity, lead capture, login, uh, checkout, conversion, all the different types of commerce you might want to process. And we're just executing on that, um, and hoping that. Um, look, we had a bit of a head start in this space. We kind of because we are serving local news, which I feel like everything happens to local news before it happens to any other industry. It just sort of <laughs> feels that like, it, it really does. Like, they, they felt the pain of like the print to digital transformation the first, worst, and yeah. then the, the shift of ads, you know, et cetera, display ads and everything would happen to them first. Um, we've been serving real bona fide um, businesses with payroll, um, selling content to their audiences for years now. And so we we really know what it takes for someone to get to from like ten or twenty or thirty thousand dollars a year in revenue from their audience to a hundred thousand to two hundred thousand to five hundred thousand to a million and so on. Um, we've seen that, and that's where we are executing. Um, and look, like I said, we we don't we we don't want to lock people into any particular CMS, ESP, et cetera. And that that's I think the core of our differentiation.
0: Nice. Well, I mean, you heard it here first, guys. I think if anything to take from this podcast episode, it's that the CRM, the relationship manager for your business is the most important part. I mean, like everything should now be built. Like, I agree, because before everything was around the CMS, right? Because that, you know, but now it's really it's all about those relations. I mean, it's like it's like business one on one hit us in the head and was like, oh, wait, (laughs) we should have been this is what we should have cared about originally, Um but but yeah, so Jason, I there's this has been such a fantastic conversation. I'm really, really enjoyed it. I there's so much more I think we could talk about. I'm sure we could go on and on. But you made it through all the way to the lightning round. So whenever you're ready, you let me know and we'll get started.
1: Oh wait, is my internet connection getting unstable? Uh uh. Uh oh. (laughs) All right. Uh, You can't get out of it that easily.
0: (laughs) Here we go. All right. If you could acquire one skill without any effort, what would it be?
1: One skill without any effort. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> I I would like to be able to read more without falling asleep. This is a, a, a real problem in my life. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I love it. I love it. What's your favorite artist or band?
1: You know, Muse comes to mind right away since that got me through college. So.
0: Nice. I like Muse. If animals could talk, which would be the most annoying?
1: Oh, I think sloth would be most entertaining and possibly (laughs) annoying, depending on what what you're trying to get them to say. Yeah,
0: I could see that. What's the number one thing on your bucket list?
1: I've always wanted to, um, uh, you know, use a wingsuit. Um, Oh, that,
0: yeah, that's very cool, but also very dangerous.
1: (laughs) I'm aware. I'm aware. So we'll see. We'll see how that goes. Yeah. We'll see how that goes.
0: All right. Last one. What's your favorite video streaming service?
1: Favorite video streaming service. That's uh, very difficult because, you know, I don't want to choose favorites here. I'll just say that I've, I've been very impressed with, uh, with Vimeo's product. And, um, oh, oh! You mean you mean? See, I'm I'm thinking in terms of our customers <laughs> choosing a stream. You you mean literally any I video streaming on my service? Apple TV. Okay. Yeah, anything. Um, I I think uh, HBO has such amazing high quality content that um, if I had to choose only one to get me through, uh, you know, I don't know, maybe a pandemic. Um, it would be, it would <laughs> HBO? be HBO. Although I, you know, Disney Plus has been extremely impressive. Uh, I I really think that that they're gonna they're gonna kill it. So.
0: Yeah, I mean, if they keep buying content, you know, it's over. <laughs> they have yeah. the and they have the money to do it. So. They sure do. Awesome. Well, Jason, it's been really wonderful having you on. If uh, if anyone who's listening wants to get in touch with you, what's the best way for them to do that?
1: Through you, right, Like, now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
0: I mean, I um, could forward. I could be your your messenger boy and just. <laughs> no, <forward. laughs>
1: I'm kidding. Uh, it's, I try to make it pretty easy to find me. Uh, my email is on my Twitter page. My DMs are open. Uh, Jason W. Bade at Jason W. Bade. And then, um, you know, Jason at dot com. Um, you know, it, 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 you'll just have to try to get out of my other inbox. Really <laughs> <fun>. <laughs> and,
0: and by <laughs> so the I, way, you can also find Jason's face on the Pico website. If you scroll down to the bottom, you can actually schedule time to learn all about the product with him.
1: I <laughs> appreciate the plug. I, I, I hate that, um, <laughs> I, that was not my decision to put my,
0: my Not to put your, on, your face so. on there.
1: <laughs> Definitely not my decision, so anyway, very good. Uh,
0: well, Jason, thank you uh, very much for being on. I look forward to keeping in touch with you. I hope you have a great rest of your day.
1: I hope you do too. All right, take care.
0: Thanks for listening to Techie Bytes. Stay tuned for more episodes every Tuesday with awesome interviews and conversations about technology and business. If you like what we're doing, please consider supporting our podcast at anchor.fm slash best and or by leaving a rating and review on iTunes. Both ways help us greatly and are much appreciated. So thank you. Until next time, we'll see you. And remember, remember, take care of your computers.